This is Hannah Glasby, and you're listening to Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to fashion runway model, Hannah Glasby. Now, Hannah is born in Brisbane, Australia. Now, she started off doing modeling competitions and TV commercials here in Australia. But then she moved to Paris, France, and that's where her career took off. She's been the front cover of magazines and she's also signed to modeling management Vivian's, Lumina and Ford Modeling. She's been all over the world uh, doing runway model and one of her biggest achievements was walking the catwalk for Chanel. She has also traveled the world working in London, Milan, New York, Chicago and now she's based in LA where she continues to uh, represent Australia at the highest level in the fashion model industry. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Greg your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias. We are also at VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Tell Craig Your Story, and make sure you're subscribing to get the latest updates. We also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major podcast streaming services. I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Malvina Things. You can visit their website, www.malvinathings.com, or go to their Instagram, Malvinas underscore things. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Hannah Glasby on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hey, Hannah, how are you going today? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. What time is it in LA now? It's... We've got 7.04pm, exactly. 7.04, all right, so excellent. Thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy girl with your modeling and you know, jet-sitting around the world. So <laughs> tell us, how are you doing in the pandemic? Are you and your family sort of staying safe? Have you had to cancel anything? How have you adapted in this period? 
you know, 2020 has been a hell of a year. I think we can all kind of collectively, <laughs> yes. collectively yeah. say that it, it has has had a lot of, uh, you know, turns, t- trials and tribulations. Um, I ummed and ahed at the start of this year when the, you know, when the pandemic really hit here in America and kind of hit the world. I ummed and ahed. I was like, do I go back to Australia or do I stay here in America? Yes. Um, I've been out of Australia, living out of Australia um, for the better part of like 13 years. Right. So, and I've been in LA for almost 10. So LA kind of felt like my home base. I, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. But I innately am a very positive person. So I've been trying my hardest to kind of use this time wisely. And whilst I'm not able to work and my entire industry has been shut down, I think it's you know, yes. the fashion industry, all, all industries, but the fashion industry in particular, just because we work in such close proximity with each other, um, has been, uh, was, was completely non-existent for a couple of months and is slowly but surely starting to trickle back in. Um, so to try to keep myself, I don't know, sane, I suppose, yes. as well. There, yes. you know, there's, there's the focusing on yourself and your own mental health and, and what you're putting into your body and how you're doing things, which is also a really good, um, really good for me going forward as a model as well, because when I come out of this, hopefully, you know, my, my body and my mind will be at a really good place. Yes, yes. Um, just also trying to be really creative. You know, my industry and I am a very creative person. So just trying to do side projects or trying to, you know, kind of think of outside of the talent realms in terms of a creative direction, or styling or photography. So I think by all means, I've been handling it pretty well. Yes. Um, but then again, at the same time, the 2020 is not over. So we don't yeah, that's know what right. is going right. to hit us. Um, but yeah. I mean, you know, I'm in close uh, contact and kind of close talks with my family back in Brisbane and pretty much everybody's back there. And, you know, they're kind of dealing with the same things, but just in Australian terms. It's yeah, just, that's right. It's, yeah. it's so funny how this has uh, given us all a collective. It's all kind of brought us together in a bizarre way, even though by nature it's kept us apart. I think it's 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 a weird year, but it's teaching us a lot, I feel. I feel yeah, like there's is. a lot of lessons within this year. I think you take uh, things for granted sometimes, or how good we have it, and then all of a sudden it's all gone away and it's like... What do we do? <laughs> That's exactly so, right. And one of the things yeah. I sat there and I've, I've had many conversations about is like, you know, what, A, we've had a rare halt in time, probably one that will never happen in my lifetime or your t- lifetime, yeah. or even maybe my children's lifetime, you know what I mean? This, this worldwide stop. Um, but I think as a society and as a whole, we've gotten so used to consumption yes. and just distraction. And we didn't have a lot of those distractions when this came about. And I think we were really forced to look at ourselves and look at our own lives and look at how we operate, what we need, what we don't need. Um, and so that's been a really like positive silver lining. I think. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music and, and with with modeling as well, you're just like, you haven't done it. And it's like, I want to do it, you know. So uh, and, and, and any chance that I get, you call me up and I've got to travel seven hours to do it. Okay, I'm going to do I'll it. You there. know, <laughs> I'll be there because it's for the greater good. It's for the love of, you know, for love of what you're yeah. doing, being creative in any way, shape or form, um, musically, with your body, with your voice, with, um, you know, your hands in terms of photography. It's just it's literally it's endless. Yeah. So do you have plans, uh, already plans after the pandemic or is that it's still up in the air at the moment? You're still sort of planning things and... Yeah, sort of... well, it's, it's a little bit... Di- my my job in general is is very difficult to plan. It's one yeah. of the things where I have, um, you know, I have a couple of different agencies around the world and I predominantly work here in Los Angeles, but it's it's day to day. I could know about a job next week or I could know, know about a job right now that's for tomorrow morning. You know what I mean? It's, it's yes. very much... Planning in any kind of regard in, in my job is is uh, almost impossible. But I'd say like the plan for the, the coming years, I'm in the middle of renewing my visa at the, this very present moment in time. And if I do oh. get another three years here in America, so trying yes. to give myself a loose 
loose outline, a loose goal plan <laughs> of what I would like in the next three years and hope, yes. hope that I can kind of achieve it or at least to achieve some of it. So that, yeah, yeah three years. And, and speaking of living in LA, I can only go from, you know, my friends who I talk to or – but everything on the media and on the TV is, oh, the pandemic bad, uh, riots everywhere. So h- how is it living in LA? Like, you know, I'd rather, you know, listen to someone that's actually living there rather than the media. So, And listen, you know, I really you- appreciate that because I think that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, even within my own family coming up with what they had seen on the media versus what we were actually living here was so vastly different. Yes. Um, so thank you for, for asking about that and kind of just, you know, kind of getting getting the intel from someone that actually lives here. Yes. Uh, in terms of the pandemic, it listen, it's, it's just bizarre. I'm very grateful to live in America. Like I said, I've lived here for the last 10 years and it's been a beautiful experience. Um, yes. But it, it's just very jarring coming from a place like Australia where we care about each other and where the government has a sense of caring about the people. Um, yes. And so... In terms of COVID preparedness and the way that they've handled it, it's abysmal, to be very <laughs> honest. Like, the people themselves uh, in, in quite liberal places like California, uh, you know, or especially Los Angeles, are doing what they need to be doing, wearing their masks, you know, kind of sanitising things down, kind of going by, going by protocol. Um, but there's a large portion of the country that's not doing that and they're outright yes. over the fact that they have to wear masks. Um, and in terms of, like, what, you know, the media's coined as is riots when in reality they were very, very peaceful protests. And I can say this from a first-hand account considering the fact that I went to multiple of them. Yeah. Um, it was simultaneously horrifying, eye-opening, disappointing, like disappointment in yourself that you haven't informed yourself more on the things that are going on in this country, especially within the black community. And to be a part of these, these peaceful protests was such a... Like I said, there was a complete dichotomy between them because it's so horrific what you're actually doing it for. But yes. the power of the people and the love and the the togetherness was something that I hadn't felt, to be very honest, since I'd been back in Australia. Yeah, right. It was, it was this real sense of like, no, we are here for a purpose. We're doing this thing. And the only times it ever really became violent was when the police kind of yes. started to push people into know little groups or if they and were, that's when um, the cameras uh, started roll, that's filming that's, that's yeah where, <laughs> that's when the vandals come because they, they you yes. know they're just lighting fires because there are some people who are just fire fire starters in this world and they they kind of attracted to to that that uh they they try to swing it the other way so yeah it was very it was very disheartening to know that a you know a majority of um, the people that i knew back at home yeah. were seeing a very false sense of what it was yeah. Um, but it will go down as uh, some very strong memories in my life and something that was yeah. very impactful. For Absolutely. Sure. Mm. Well, I saw on your Instagram, and I was going to talk about it a lot later. In the, <laughs> we met, uh, the topic is, is, so let's talk about it now. Uh, I really liked how, how you had this. It, it had uh, the first picture was support. The second one was educate, and then the third one was donate. I thought that was great. Thank so, you. speaking out for for this sort of good cause. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never in my, especially within the social media realms, ever really been um, too loud about anything. Mm. You know, I yes. kind of post my work on there because it's not, it's not really, it's it's a job. Social media is a job yes. for me. It's a you know extension of my my career, and I just treat it as such. Um, but when I've always been a very big, like very, very passionate in human rights and just treating everybody equally, I actually have a saying that my grandfather said he had tattooed on my wrist, which means first among equals, always and ever treat everybody equally, no matter 
who they are, what they do, until they give you a reason not to, basically. Yes. Um, and so, like I said, I there was a there was a lot of disappointment in myself and anger at myself that I hadn't done the research or I hadn't kind of opened my eyes. I'm a white woman, you know. I've been walking through my life a white woman who's a model. So I've yes. had the nth degree of privilege when it really, when you really look at it. <laughs> um, and so I kind of just like looked at my own life and and when what was happening here and it was so strong and it was like I said every single day. And let me just tell you, it's still every single day. Just because yes. the media is quietened down, every single day we're getting news alerts that another black man or woman has been shot in yeah. the back or murdered or something like that. So it's you know it's an onslaught of of things that oh. are happening. I just you know I thought to myself if if I have forty odd thousand people on there and five percent of the people go on to those yes. things and another two percent of those people actually donate then in some way shape or form I've helped and that that's what I can do out there along with donating my own money and using my body in terms of the protests my biggest thing I think this year and going forward in my life is the education of myself and the others around me yes. to inform myself on what's going on how I can help how I can be a voice and be a voice that's listened to just purely based on the privilege that I'm allowed being a white woman. You know what I yes. mean? So, yeah, yeah I would say I am wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly for human rights. I'm wholeheartedly for equality for men yes. and women. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it struck, struck something inside of me and lit a fire inside of me where I was like, this will, this will never go out again. This yes. will never, you know, this will never be quelled because this is something that needs our attention. Sorry to get away from uh, US, but I've lived in China for four years. Coming back to Australia, I've always thought as Australia, just like you, it's my home. It's when I come back, all the media were there at the Sydney airport, Shanghai to Sydney. And it's like, I feel sorry for the Asian people that have come, that actually live here. They're like Australian, they're Australian. That's not Australian, you know what I mean? No, and see, but that's the thing is like, and we, it's obviously you and I have, you know, we're raised the same way. It's like, that's not hmm. Australian. That's not yes. how I was raised. And that's not how you treat people. Yes. It's pretty, to me, it's common sense. To me, it's kind of just ingrained in me. Yes. Thank you, mother, for that. But you know what? It's it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And you know, same with the Asian community here, um, mm. in the United States, and and then kind of flipping the scripts. The same with the, the treatment of, of Aboriginals in Australia. Yes, um, no, that's another so story, that, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 there's just anywhere you look, anywhere you start digging, you actually start to realise how um, how much information's out there. But the thing is, uh, and I really like it, that that you're always learning. So that's always great. Learning. There's, That's I mean, great. I think there's not a day that I'm not learning just in life, but then if you're yes. really searching things out and you're really looking for it, you can inform yourself. In a don't get me wrong, there's a there's a thing as uh, too much information and yes. over-informing yourself and you know absorbing too much information. But I like to think that I've got a good balance of, it, of making sure that I'm informing myself from many different sources, so it's not just a one-sided argument. And I love having conversations with people who have the complete opposite thought yes. processes me because then it, it makes me grow as a human being and then hopefully we learn something from each other hopefully change that's right yeah absolutely yeah, yeah none of it yeah yeah i agree let's go back speaking about your grandfather and your, your family back so you were born in uh, brisbane Brisbane Australia. Brisbane, Australia so for the international listeners that's in the north northeast, northeast yep. were you actually born in the city or were you outside of the <laughs> On the south side of Brisbane, in a suburb called uh, Runcorn. Well, it's not where I was born, but I was born on a, you know our first house was in a suburb called Runcorn. I am from a family of five, two you know, mum and dad, and I have an older brother and a younger sister. Classic, classic middle child. Um, <laughs> the overachiever. Yes. Um, uh, I have my father has uh, 
I want to say, 11 brothers and sisters. Wow. Um, yes. And my mother's an only child. Oh, have, that's interesting. Yeah, have, it's, it's a great little uh, mix of things. And I have a very large extended family um, who I was very, very close with as we were growing up. They were basically like brothers and sisters, my cousins. Um, we're all very close-knit, just a regular regular old high school girl, you know what I mean? Kind of yeah. dorky and a little bit, didn't know, hadn't really filled out my face yet. Um, now, now, were you, your mother and father, were they in the entertainment industry as well or were they no, no, completely different? Not at all. My father's a salesman and a very good one, let me tell you that. Right. Um, and then I'm not 100% sure what he does now, but it's something, he he was very high up in a lot of companies and he talked to people and he sold people things. Like that. You know, that's what I know. Right, right. Um, and my People mother person. is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was an important person. That's, that's, yes. really, really and my mother was, my mother is an artist, uh, at oh, heart, right. a beautiful painter, um, right. but she has worked in aged care for the last, um, 15 years. I'm going to say maybe close to 20 years. She was a personal carer for a very long time and then joined, um, a, a government, uh, you know, kind of company called Blue Care where they look after disabled people, elderly people, just, you know, loving uh, people basically taking uh, care of I tell you what, that that's got to be one of the hardest jobs that you could ever have, and uh, whatever they earn, they should double it. <laughs> it, should be, I mean, it should be, it should be tripled or quadrupled. Yeah, to be that's very right. And it takes yeah. it takes such a specific person, and my mother um, is probably one of the kindest and most compassionate humans that I, you know I've ever encountered. So she, her her true spirit and soul is very needed within communities like that. I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So growing growing up uh, as a kid, uh, were you someone that were, you know wanted to be in front of the camera, you know, take lots of photos of me, or were you sort of like the little shy shy girl that you know? When I was really young, I was a bit of a ham, I think. You know, there's all these photos of me, kind of you know, mouth open, kind of wild with energy. <laughs> but there was never there was never really a want to be like in front of the camera. I suppose like I was yeah, I was a bit of a ham, but there was never any real want to be like an actress or a Right. model I kind of my um initial thought process was I either wanted to become a uh, high school English and drama teacher or I wanted to work with um special ed kids right. I did some placement um in home economics I think in grade 10 grade 11 um where I worked with um, uh, autistic boy at a uh, daycare and it just was the most probably one of the most rewarding experiences of my life still to this day it just was such yeah. a beautiful way to connect with somebody if you didn't really have a connection to this world and it started probably the same thing that set my mum off in terms of you know caring for people it just set off all of yes. these and all of these beautiful things and I was like this is what I want to do and then the next year I became a model so <laughs> right so let's talk about that then how did it all come about like you don't was it a all of a sudden uh, you know did someone sort of look at you or did you were you getting people going you know what you should be a model or how did it all come about Really had I was a I was I wouldn't say I was a tomboy but I wasn't really like a very you know overtly feminine um, young lady as I was yes. um, and this is it's just the most bizarre story how this all came about but my mother working for this government subsidized kind of company government run program has to do mandatory CPR courses and she went to a mandatory CPR course and there was a designer there who they, they it was like an eight week course and they were all becoming friends and he was one day brought in these photos and he was like I'm just not happy with the model blah blah blah. And my mother being my mother thinking that all of her children are the most beautiful things in this world <laughs> was like, well, I've got two beautiful daughters. And my sister was a little bit young. She was 14 at the time and I was 16. So, so I think 
you know, I was 16 at the time. So it made a little bit more sense for me to be the one to do it rather than her being. Yes. So I went and shot with him and he was like, oh my God, you're a natural. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to flail in my arms and legs around <laughs> you know, doing serious faces. Yes. Um, and he contacted an agent, agency, which is now my mother agency, Vivian's in Australia. And they were like, listen, we love your look. You can either come onto our agency, we can sign you and we can, um, you can kind of go through the process of a normal model where you'll have to pay for tests to get tear sheets for your book and then et cetera, et cetera, which is, it costs a couple of thousand dollars to, to get going as a model. Yes. Or you can go into this competition that we're holding in a month called Runway on the Mall, I want to say. It was in Queen Street. Right. Right. And they were like, you can win everything that we would be offering, basically. There's no oh, guarantee right. that you're going to win it, but you can you can enter the scene. And if you don't win it, then maybe we can talk afterwards. And I was like, sure. And I I put no seriousness into this whatsoever. Yes. I was like, this is fun. Like, I'm going to have some fun. I went to Kmart. I bought my first pair of heels. Um, <laughs> and I remember standing in this lineup and doing this day. And, you know, we went through the motions of everything. And I'm looking around at all of these girls just being like, oh, my God, they look like models. Yeah, you know, and I am this dorky girl from the south side of Brisbane, um, from like you know not a rough area, but not like the, a fancy area in any way, shape, or form. Um, and we were on stage, and they're like, "The winner is Hannah Glasby," and I, my huh? mom said, like, I had the stupidest look on my face. I just kind of went, "Me," and then everybody was clapping, and I was just kind of like, "What's happening?" And so yeah, and then from there. From there, I did a couple of like uh, random jobs. I think I did Brisbane Fashion Week, and then I oh, yes. did, like a Dream World commercial, and I like a Water oh. World commercial, and then I IMG, which is probably one of the biggest agencies in the world, um, yes. from New York and Paris, came to scout, and they came to Brisbane, and I went in there in my Kmart heels, and you know, and just looking <laughs> like a very very Brisbane girl, and they were like, they offered me a contract in Paris, wow. me and two other. 17-year-old girls, I'd, I was 16 at that point. I turned 17, I think, two weeks before uh, yes. I left Paris that, that next January. And, and then it just all kind of blossomed from there. Oh, I went. So can you remember the, the first time that you actually paid? Or did they sort of, you know, make you sort of do all this for like as a hobby or do it, do it for free for no, a little while? Because they signed you pretty. You said they, they signed you pretty early, right? Really early. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing... What happens within the industry usually is when a model starts, you have your book, which is a whole bunch of tear sheets from either test shoots at which you do, which is a exchange, um, either where you pay a photographer to be able to get you photos for your book that your agency will kind of set up. They have on-staff photographers or they have a lot of photographers that they know. Or as you become more established, you do it for trade. So a photographer will ask me, hey, do you want to shoot? And I'll be like, sure, let's create some fun stuff. And it's just more... So we have some things, some content to be able to have, some things for our book, and you don't necessarily need to do that. Now, yes. I, when I first um, when I first started working in Brisbane, I was doing a couple of test shoots, but I was also doing paid work as well. I was doing the commercials. I was um, right. fashion week. Fashion weeks pay absolutely nothing in comparison to to the you know the what we actually get in, in the real kind of jobs. But um, yes, but yeah. So I mean, you you can get paid straight away. I know models who have made most of their money within the first year of modeling. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, you can, you can get paid straight away. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a possibility. And talking about the, the two, uh, Dream World, um, what was that experience like being in front of the camera? Oh, that was Did rocking. you sort of, were you sort of a natural or? I think being so young, I had no inhibitions and I had, yes. no, I had no shame about myself. And, I, you yes. know, in some small way, I don't really have still have any shame about myself. <laughs> I'd like to think that I could keep that throughout my life. Yes. Um, so I, 
and and to be honest, something I think that's carried me through my career is that that ability just to be able to to be a bit of a ham and to turn it on a little bit, to turn on this heightened version of me where I'm very carefree and I don't care. And a Dreamworld out, I mean, they shut down the water park. I think it was the the water extension for Dreamworld, whatever the water park was called. We did I did the commercial for that. It was me and three fellas, and they shut down the thing, and we just were going on all the rides, and they were filming. Oh, cool! So you know (laughs) that. That type of situation is probably the height, you know, the, the funnest types that you can yes. do because you just get to act a fool and, and ride the rides. Yeah. That was great That's fun. Amazing. That's amazing. So you were working around, uh, like, Brisbane. How long were you in Brisbane, like, doing that? It would have been a couple of years, right? I'd say six months. Six months, right? Yeah. And and then did you go to Los Angeles straight away or was it, like, yeah. a... So, so where did you go after Brisbane? So Brisbane, I started in Brisbane. I moved to Paris, um, like I said, I think it was like two weeks after I turned 17. It was the first week of January. So um, tell us about that, that experience. I mean, 17 years old, going from, uh, you know, a girl from Brisbane, outside of Brisbane, to one of the biggest cities in the world, you know, fashion, you know, so, so tell us it's, how, uh, that whole experience. It, it would have been a very jarring experience for anybody, to be very honest. But I lived a, um, a very – my father was very protective. We lived a, somewhat of a sheltered life. So I didn't really have a full understanding of what I was getting myself into. You know what I mean? Paris sounds like this beautiful, faraway place, but actually living it was, was a very different reality. Yes. Um, it, was, it was a shaping experience. I can say that for, for sure. It had a lot of beautiful moments. Um, there were a lot of triumphs. I was very successful my first stint in Paris, actually all of my times in Paris, um, which I was very thankful for. But it was very terrifying, to be honest. Yes. Like it was a situation where I'd been thrown out to this big bad world. All of a sudden I was... Different language. Be, yeah, didn't know the language. Um, was, mm. was dealing with people who were twice my age. Yeah. Um, getting myself from point A to point B in a foreign city. Mm. Um, and just having to like make sure that I was keeping myself safe. You know what I mean? So there was, it, was, it, was a, it was a highly stressful environment. But it was fucking cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was 17 and I was in Paris. I was running amok. I was, I was living a life. It kind of felt a little bit like imposter syndrome. It still does in a way. Like, I, yes. I kept kind of snapping my eyes up and going, is this really happening? I'd wake up in Paris and be like, am I in Paris? <laughs> and be going and, you know, and so my first couple of weeks, I were, were great. I went there specifically for Hockey Shore Week, which is the, the high fashion runway shows. Right. Um, and in my first season, I booked six shows which is pretty good for, yeah, for a yeah. girl from, especially from a girl from brisbane and my first season i walked for chanel um and hugo boss and christian dior so all massive kind of designers and that mm. set me off on a um a decent career within paris like there's a lot right. of money to be made there but it's also as an you know as a model coming in you're paying thousands of dollars a month in in model apartments and you're paying right. thousands of dollars to get there and thousands of dollars whilst you're walking around and running and then they take their agency fee and then you have tax on top of it so you know you don't usually walk away with a lot of money from experiences or these three month stints that i would go and do in paris yes um but it's a hell of an experience yeah absolutely. Um, yeah like i said kind of really shapes me into the human I, I am today i would have to say you just see the smile on your face when you talk about it. You know, you get the... <laughs> well, because it's, it's, as many, like, gnarly, crazy things that happened, it, you, I still look back at it with such gratitude going, yes. like, how did I do that? Like, how did yeah. that happen? And how did I live that life? And that's my life when I look back on those memories. It's not just the movie. Like, 
A major stronger too. So, um, how did you fit in with the the other models? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they weren't all 17. They, you know, had some older. You know, so how was it fitting in with them? And did you have friends like in Paris to sort of glide you around, or did you have a like a, a manager or someone like that to sort of help you? Um, we and so we. I was very fortunate that I went over with two other two other girls. Oh right, um, one, okay. One That's... of which, one of which that became like my you know really close friend for a good couple of years as we were gallivanting around the world, mostly in, the, in similar or same places. So it was nice. It's a little bit difficult, especially in climates like Paris or New York, which is highly competitive to have uh, to be like very jovial, to be like super friendly with models, especially when you're going on casting, especially when you're going on ten castings a day. And you're being made to wait for an hour outside each one of them. You're a little bit pissed at the end of the day. So yeah. the casual, conversa- casual conversation doesn't really happen too often. But um, um, back then it was a little bit more competition-based. And now, say, for instance, here in Los Angeles, I have a couple of friends who are models. Um, and the industry is just a little bit more relaxed here. So there, there, there's an opportunity to be able to form friendships. And I know so many models that have a plethora of model friends. Yes. Well. So there's definitely opportunities to make it. But in the early days in... in uh, in a place like Paris, yes, you don't get too far if you, you're trying to make friends. You know what I mean? Now, now did you pick up on any of the uh, the French? Un petit peu, like I used to, I used to understand <laughs> yes. a, a massive amount. I felt like I could I, I could never speak it properly. Like I could say my name, I could ask kind of a little bit of directions, I could ask for a baguette, like it, it, things <laughs> things to be able to get me by. Survival, but, survival, survival, survival. Like, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you know, what? I kick myself. Um, almost on a bloody weekly basis, not not learning that beautiful language because I had the opportunity. I was there. I was immersed in it. I may as well have just, like, sunk it into my brain. But fun day. Yeah. So you were in Paris. How long were you in Paris for? I would say out of um, a year span, well, let's put this, over a two-year span, I was probably there for about five months, six months. And then, right. with, and then another two months on top of that kind of traveling um, back and forth between Germany uh, Milan, uh, a couple of trips to Denmark, like so, just traveling within Europe. But I, so I was, I was in Europe, say all up about nine months. 10 right. Months. Obviously, you're getting a bit recognized now, and you know, in the fashion world industry. What was your plan after Europe? Was it your decision to sort of move to the uh, to the US, or or was it uh, sort of like a, a combination of a couple of things? To like to be you know to to be very honest about the situation, I had had a very successful career for about three or four years, traveling between uh, Europe and um, Australia and Sydney, and working very like very very heavily in Sydney. I, and then I just got to the point where I had been worked so hard for such a long time without a break, without seeing my family. I was very lonely. I was using a lot of things to kind of cope with with the situations. Yes. And so after you know, my beautiful mother was like, I think you need to come home for. And I was like, yeah. you're right. So I came home and I kind of got myself back to center and and I had many, many conversations with myself and the people that I love being like, do I want to continue to do this? Because it's kind of sucked the soul out of me a little bit, just yes. how hard I'd worked myself. Do I want to continue to do this? And, and what were the avenues and what were the options? And there was a big part of me that just wanted to stay in Australia because I'd missed it. Um, yes. Then a, a bigger part of me that knew that I had a lot more opportunity out in the world. So yes, absolutely. I talked to my lovely agency, Vivians, and I was like, "What you know? What's the go? Where else in this world can I go?" And Los Angeles seemed like the right move. Right. And here we are, ten years later. 
Yeah, right. And going back to uh, when, when you come back to Australia, I've spoken to a couple of people recently, uh, like uh, in the music industry, in other sort of industries about the mental health, and especially now with the whole coronavirus as well. So, you know, probably a good thing on your side to, to take that break. I mean, traveling, taking time for yourself, <laughs> go and sit on the beach for a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks. Exactly right. Well, you know, I sit down in your bedroom and cry until you can't cry anymore yeah. and figure out why you're crying and figure out, you know, the ins and outs of everything. And I think, you know, just, the more and more mental health becomes unstigmatized, the better. And the more and more we can have frank conversations about situations in people's yeah. lives where from the outside, I had everything, you know what I mean? Like I had a lot of money in the bank and I, I was on magazine covers and I was bloody on storefronts and I was doing all these things, but inside I was perishing. I was so lonely and so sad and didn't know the direction of my life and and didn't really like the life that I was living even though I knew I should have been so grateful for and I should have been living it up taking that break really allowed me to focus on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it I came here to LA in the first couple of years here I killed it I smashed it it was was a good time and it was it was really wonderful but then you know after a couple of years of doing it and working myself to the bone again I had to take a step back yeah all right, yeah. how do you want to do this? Is this the right thing for you? Can you handle this? And every couple of years, it's that same same thing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, like you went to Paris for the first time and you sort of, you probably learned a lot of things when you were over there. So going to LA, it probably wouldn't as been as eye-opening as it was. But uh, the one thing that I like about LA, I've been there a couple of times uh, myself and I say it all the time on this podcast, <laughs> that, but it's true, but um, I, I love going to the bars in LA and I can just turn to somebody on this side or the other side and go, hey, you know, wh- where are you from? Yeah. And, and there's, there, none of them, none of them are not normally from LA. They're from, oh, I'm from Detroit or I'm from, you know, New Orleans or I'm from, you know, just these small little country towns. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm trying to make it here in LA. I'm, you Everybody know, I'm an actor. Stars in their eyes. Yeah, that's right. But that's so inspiring, but that they're, they're taking a chance to sort of do that sort of thing instead of like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll just, next yeah. next time I'll. It's I'll a city of doers, man. It's a city yes. of doers. And it's not only the people who come here who are like me or who are, you know, interstaters or pipe dream chasers, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. The people who were born and bred Los Angeles who are a completely different fucking breed of human, let me tell you guys, <laughs> they are doers. Yes. You know, they're problem solvers. They're like, let's get it done. Let's do it with a smile on our face, though. And that that mentality here in Los Angeles, as I was saying kind of at the very start, like, you know, you have to have a purpose to be here. Yes. There's no place you can just flit around and hang out. Like, you've got to have yes. a goal here. And I think that's what served me when I first moved here. I was like, I'm going to kill it. I'm yes. gonna, this is a complete market that I've never touched before, that's never seen my face and the way that I move and the friendly human being that I am and that combination hopefully makes a good model. They've never seen that before. So when I first came here, it was a beautiful thing. And still to this day, like this is my partly my home now, so there's purpose yes. for me to live here. But, yeah, it's, it's a it's, – it's I hate to use the word melting pot, but it is. It's just this big old mishmash of a whole bunch of black yes. people here for a common goal but the completely different goal at the same time because it's all very specific to people yes interesting place now tell me just quietly with the accent as well i mean they just they just get they just love the accent over there it's just 
have never had a problem anywhere in the world with this Australian <laughs> accent. Um, and LA especially, like it's when I first moved here ten years ago, and there wasn't many Australians. They looked at me like I was a unicorn. Like, and I'm this tall blonde thing, and I'm always very energetic. So they were just kind of like, and the, these people were just like, they'd be like, can you say this? Can you say that? And they'd look at me with this like cocked head expression, these big stars in their eyes, and I was like, this is hilarious. Like. <laughs> Me thinking my accent's quite goofy and, you know, very ochre Australian, even 13 years out of Australian is still pretty Australian. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's never, never served me wrong. Yeah, that's it's right. Never been, it's never been a strike against me, you know. <laughs> agreed, agreed. It's like, you're not from here. Hey, you, you just want to talk for a little while or just, you know, what's it's that a, over there? It's a beautiful that, icebreaker. It's a beautiful <laughs> icebreaker. I'm forever grateful for it. So, yeah. Great. Going to uh, LA after being fully refreshed, recovered, you know, what was your first sort of plan when when you got to LA? Was it to to get straight back into work? Was it to sort of first couple of weeks just to settle down and find a find an apartment? You know, yeah, ha- I mean, like you definitely want to settle into the place a little bit. But my um my from the years of from the years of traveling, you know, living in hotels and kind of like flitting from place to place, I was. Like, let's get into it. Let's go straight into it. Yeah. Um, but when I first signed with my uh, initial agency here, Ford, as every agency does, they want to be able to put you out in the best way possible. So nice. at that point, my hair was very short um, and I wasn't really, I wasn't in any way, shape or form big, but I just hadn't taken care of my body really well. Like I wasn't exercising, I wasn't doing these things. So it took me about two months to really get my body, my mind, my hair, everything into the shape yeah. and the form that we wanted it to. And that was really fruitful for me because as soon as I was ready to go, all of these clients who would, like I said, who would never see me. So my my approach with this job, which is um, maybe not the favorite kind of approach, but is my approach in general, is I don't I have no interest in in fame. I have no interest yeah. in in people recognizing me or knowing who I am. Um, I, I want to make money and I want to make good yes. money. And when I first understood, fully understood that modeling is one of, if not the only industry in the world of women predominantly make more than men and consistently make more than men. I was like, yeah. I like the sounds of this. Yeah. And so every industry that I've gone into and every marketplace that I've gone into, I was like, how can I capitalize as mm. heavily on this as possible in a short amount of time? Um, and with the help of my lovely agents, we did just that. So speaking of that, um, it's all in, in every sort of industry. You need like good management or a good agent. So, so, so tell us a bit about your agents that you have around the world, like you know, and how how did you choose them? And have you sort of told someone to you know, bye bye? You know, yeah. So initially, I'm with, Vivian's is my mother agency. Um, they're the yes. ones that scouted me and discovered me, and I have uh, still to this day a very close relationship with them. They're they're like family. Um, uh, I don't really really work back in Australia. I'm hoping to in the future. I'm hoping to kind of come back and, and come back into that market soon, which would be nice to be able to come back to Australia in general. Yes. Um, but here in Los Angeles, yeah, I mean, I've I've been with the biggest agency in the world, IMG, which was great. But it was yes. you you get kind of lost amongst the you know the people because mm. it's, it's so large. They have so many big girls, and you are just one kind of one little tick and a big old bunch of ticks. So yes. So that was an interesting experience. It wasn't my favorite. Um, I per, I'm a personal human being, so I enjoy having uh, you know some kind of rapport with my agents. Yes. Um, I was first time with Ford here, and they were a wonderful agency for uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and then a lot of my agents from Ford, who I had formed these relationships with, moved to Wilhelmina, 
And so I kind of just followed them a year or two right. later. I was like, you know what? I need to be able to, I, I trust you guys. You know me. We, we work well together. And now I can confidently say um, I have two agents in particular who are just Amazing. phenomenal. They, they go yeah. above and beyond. You know what I mean? They know me. They know me as a human. We've known each other for 10 years. Oh, that's um, great. They know what I'm yeah. capable of. They know that, that I'm a good representation for the agency and for them in general. So it's, it's a really, it's necessary to have a phenomenal agent. It's not yes. very common, to be honest. Uh, but when you do find them, it's a, it's a good time. It's a good yeah, time. right. So I've actually, um, in the podcast uh, this year, I've had two people, photography. And, and it was great to, uh, Greg Woodson, he's in Texas. Uh, and Casey Bennett in, in LA. Great to get their side of the the story, you know, uh, traveling the world and you know doing it. So for you as, as like the model, how important is it to have a, a, a good photographer? You know, that, that sort of can sort of. I mean, it's 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 a you know it's a it's a relationship. It's a deep yes. almost. Yes. Um, and so. If you, I pride myself in being very good at what I do. You know what I mean? I practice at my job. I, I, I make sure that I go in ready to, ready to roar that day. Um, and when I have someone who matches my energy levels, who matches my work ethic, who matches um, the creativity levels or yes. brings their own, own kind of like, you know, uh, energy to the game, then that's just the best thing because then we flow and we vibe with each other. It's, it's you know, you can – every single person on a, on a shoot is, is vitally important. But the, the connection between talent and photographer – is the most important because otherwise you're just not going to get anything. Like some of, say as an example, some of my favorite photos that I've ever had taken of me have been by people I know who are photographers, who intimately know me as a human being, who like my best friend is a photographer and she takes the most beautiful photos of me. Oh, give her a plug. Give her a plug. Jocelyn James. Jocelyn James. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's, she, you know, there's those personal relationships. And so if you can kind of uh, create something like that on set where you meet somebody and you're like, G'day, hey, go on, oh, it's nice to meet you. Do you have something? You have a little chat before you see if you have anything in common. And then yes. from those first initial shots, you'll see if you vibe, you'll see if you kind of understand how each other flows. Like, yeah, it's very, it's very situational, but when it, when it does happen, it's a good thing. And it's, if I could live every day having a, a good photographer flow, then I'd be happy. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's one thing that I'm always interested to ask in terms of uh, you were talking about it while you're in Australia and before when you come to LA about keeping fit for for some people it's very difficult you know they could have one chocolate and boop, you know so for you is it good metabolism is it just or how, how do you sort of you know, do you have a routine of exercising tell us about that so I you know genes I definitely have something to play with it I, I you know I can't take credit for it all is you know my got the tall and skinny from both sides my dad's side's tall and my mum's side's skinny so you know I got those, right. those two great great combination um yes. but me personally like I am um, I've been a vegan for the since mm. January I was living a predominantly plant-based life in the last two years um for for health reasons but also for kind of moral reasons and environmental reasons and such yeah it's one of those things I've learned after years and years and years and don't get me wrong like I used to be the type of person that would drink a diet coke and eat a twix bar for breakfast eat mcdonald's for lunch and eat pizza for dinner i had no understanding of nutrition i had no understanding of stamina i had no understanding of like what i was putting into my body plus i was very young and my metabolism was just you know eating it all up um within the last five years i'm you know what they call a seasoned model like i've been in the industry for 13 years i'm 29 about to turn 30 that's that's seasoned uh in a youth driven business um so about sorry 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 just talking about that like 
what is the like the age? I mean, you've you've still got um, you know real famous models that are in their forties, yep. um, but is is there sort of an age thing? Because uh, uh, like the fashion model to me is like a you know what do the fans want to see? What do the people want to see? The the industry the industry's changed vastly within the last couple of years, but there's it just it literally just depends on how long you can keep yourself feeling and looking good how long yes. you want to be in the industry for and how much of a demand there still is for you because you can transition into different markets like say for instance i'm still doing the young woman mid-20s to 30-ish range right now but if i got up you know when i was 35 i could be doing the the 40 year old range because even though i'm 35 yes. they want someone that looks a little bit younger like just the yes yes, yes. there is there's i know models who are 60 Yes. You know what I mean? So there, there is, if you still want to do it, then yes. there, there, there will definitely be avenues for you to be able to do it, but it's more about can you, do you yes. want to do it? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the real question. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like uh, health and fitness, so about five years ago, I really took a, took a look at my life and what I was putting into my body um, and decided to do a bit of a 180 because I was like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel good. Mm, and I don't, yes. you know, I don't have a lot of energy and I feel just really tired all the time. I couldn't figure out why. So I started eliminating a lot of things from my diet. I started doing yoga extensively. And about two years ago, a personal trainer, which was the best oh. decision, I think. I mean, granted, a, a, an expense and one that I can't really afford at this very present moment in time. So I had to let him go. But the last two years, the understanding he gave me of my body, yes. of what it's capable of, that strength is sexy and strength is needed, for, especially for women. Like, you need muscle. You need these things to be able to survive. And in my job, the level that I do, the amount of energy that I put it out, I really needed that that energy. So that combined with uh, a plant-based and a vegan diet and lifestyle really heat, like helps me keep my body in check because I look in the mirror and I feel healthy on the inside and I look good on the outside. And that combination is what I'm Yes. Because you can go, you can look like this, but you can do it in a very unhealthy way. Yes. Um, and I've seen it happen too many times. And so I just really I didn't imagine. want to. Yeah, I just really didn't want to be in that position where I was I was doing more harm to my body, you know? I mean, yes. I got a good way to do it. So you do have to be on top of it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I eat a lot of salads. Yeah. I work out a lot. And I drink, I drink <laughs> this is lemon water. And I drink about yeah. four of these a day. Like, you know, it's just, it's all about balance. But don't get me wrong. Yeah. I enjoy delicious vegan pizzas. And oh, yes. <laughs> it's all about balance. It's all it's making sure that you're balancing. I'm sure, there's plenty of places in LA where you could get a nice little pizza there on the strip. Some, there. some vicious vegan things. <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> so, so tell us, you you've been everywhere around the world. Is there any sort of shoots that sort of stand out from from the others? Is there an experience that you had that is just like, I'll never forget that time. I think very early on, walking for the Chanel show was a really big thing just because it was so big within the fashion industry, but yet I was so naive and didn't really understand what it was. And I still have flashbacks from it being like, wow, that was a really prominent experience within my career and, and something that I should always kind of remember. So that was, and it gave me a lot of clout, to be very honest. It gave me a lot of credit within the fashion industry when I came back to Australia being like, oh, she walked for Chanel. So that was a, yeah. that was a, that was a really beautiful thing. Um, so again, I, so, sorry. Um, did you uh, were you nervous for them, or like you said when you were when you were young, it was just like I'm just going to do it, you know? Oh, it's just blah, da, da, kind of just, like, yeah. I just, just in my own little world. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't describe to you how how naive I was, and just yeah. so uh, it's so so youthful. And so when my agents called me to tell me that I booked the Chanel show, I was like, "Is this good? Are we happy?" And yes. they're like, "Kind of, yes, we're fucking ecstatic." And I was like. <laughs> 
Like I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't get it. And, you know, I met Carl Lagerfeld and he stood in front of me and I sat down and had a conversation with him and yeah. it was, it was brief, but, but beautiful. And I was like, yeah. he was like, I, he's like, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Australia. He's like, I love Australians. My older sister was Australian. I was like, wonderful. Amazing. <laughs> um, and cool. so that, that was a really wonderful experience. I, um, I had been very fortunate, very blessed to be the face of a company a makeup company here called Two Faced. Um, right. And I've had, um, my face hand painted on a mural on the side of you know a building in New York, and I've been on billboards for them everywhere, all around the world. So that was that's that's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Now uh, speaking of that, um, I saw on your Instagram that you were dressed up as Marilyn Monroe as well. Now now tell us a bit of a little bit about that. That was that one, uh, that one was with the dark lips. Yes. Yes. So that was that was one of their campaigns. It was um their mascara called Better Than Sex and. At that very present moment in time, I had brown hair, and that was right. me. And they oh. were trying to go for a like Madonna, Marilyn Monroe esque type of vibe because it's a, you know it's a little it's a little sexy, it's a little punky what what their yeah. mascara is. Um, but anytime that I get made up into that that beautiful icon, anytime that I am in any sphere next to her or near her, then that's always a good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Being on on billboards and in magazines, how do you how do you sort of deal with uh, the pressures? Being that in the front, is it a burden for you? You, you like you seem like the person you just want to be. Just well, it, it's leave a me alone. Uh, it's, a very, yeah. it's a very like um, out of out of body experience because you sit there and you go, I know that's me. <clears throat> like I understand that that's me, but also at the same time, it's got layers of makeup on, layers of Photoshop all of these kind of things. I think the only thing, and, and as strange as it sounds, I was just felt like I was going to disappoint people when I walked into the stores because I very, like, especially back then, very rarely wore makeup, never did anything to my hair, was in oversized T-shirts and long, you know, long hair. Like, just didn't look like a model really. Um, yes. And I'd walk into these stores and my friends that I was with or if I was back in Australia, my mum would be like, that's her. And they'd look at me and go, really? <laughs> 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 um, and so that was always like a weird fear, but no, there was never really any pressure because it was, like I said, it, it was a job to me. Yeah. I never looked at it being like, oh, look at me up in this billboard and this is amazing. I was like, I did a good job with that modeling. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Really I'm really happy that they picked that photo. I'm really happy that I did that. I'm really happy that I practiced that one move that got into the, that they chose as their hero show. You know what I mean? That's how I kind of yeah. analyze it. Now, did you have to uh, do training? Like you said that when you first did it in Brisbane, you were like, okay, going to get up and do it. Did you actually, when you got to Paris or when you're in LA, did you have like a coach that sort of guided you or did you still sort of did it your way? So uh, um, a bit of both. Like I, when I, so the, the competition that I won, one of the things that I won in this competition was an etiquette class with, uh, right. with a former model of Vivian's who was, who was doing me. And it was kind of half an etiquette class and half a instructional how-to of how to show up to set, how to, to do with these things. And <clears throat> excuse me, what she taught me in that class just in terms of like what to bring onto set and how to prepare oh. and how to how to arrive five minutes early. I mean, that was always kind of ingrained in me from my from my upbringing. But right. how to arrive five, you know, five or ten minutes early and how to, you know, kind of just these, these little things. And then Paris is the best training ground any model can ever get. And right. anyway, it is it is so harsh and it is so unforgiving that you either need to pick it up, you either sink or swim. That's it. You either yes. learn or you don't. And then if you don't learn, you're out of there. So you have to pick it up very quickly. But I learned 
unbelievable lessons in terms of that have carried me through and that I know that have, have been part of my success um, in Paris. Right. And even with LA as well, it's a bit of a sink or swim in LA as well. I've got some actors, actor friends that, that are trying to get into the Hollywood industry, but they, they do a few good things here in Australia. Then they go, oh, yep, I'm going to go to LA. And that's like, they're just big a fish, small pond, and then they do a small fish and a big pond. And it is terrifying. So, yeah. so what, advi- what advice do you give to, you know, like an inspiring actor or an inspiring model? From your experience, I would, say, I would say the best thing that you probably can do is just not give a shit about what anybody else is doing. Because yeah. Because you, as soon as you start comparing yourself, as soon as you start um, getting really caught up in the fact that people are doing things that you're, you want to be doing and how you want to be doing, that's when you lose sight and that's when you lose motivation. So if you're going to brave a place like Los Angeles or a place like Paris as a model, um, you've got to come in with a thick skin, with a plan. Um, and with the knowledge that it may not work out and that's okay too because you gave it a go like LA it, it, LA is a is a tough tough place and I always kind of you know subscribe to the way of living if you can survive here you can pretty much survive anywhere yes in terms of just like you know operating within a within a world so yeah I would just say just stop comparing don't compare just come here with your own goal of how you're going to do it and what you're going to do and most likely you will succeed that is great advice even you know, musicians, actors, anybody that's in like social media, I mean, you're putting on, you've, you've got like lots of beautiful pictures on your Instagram and Facebook and stalkers or crazy people. Does that affect you? People writing bad things about you? Does, is that is that something that sort of affects you or is that, oh, I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm human. So there are the, you know, yeah. the, the nasty comments or the unnecessary comments sometimes or completely frank sometimes when people send you unwanted photos of their parts of their body where you just kind of oh, like, yeah. why did you send me that and what was the purpose of that? I'm human and sometimes it gets to me, but then also at the same time I think I'm so desensitised uh, mm. to a lot of it just purely because of the industry and purely because of the things that I've had to do and the, you know, the, the, the ways to survive almost in this industry. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me too much now because like I said I'm in my own little world I'm focused on myself and I'm focused yes. on what I love and like if someone wants to sit behind the you know the keyboard of bloody computer and shroud and shroud <laughs> anonymous and and be like you look ugly in the photo and be like okay cool that's your opinion sweet yeah that's right have a good life <laughs> <laughs> I love that attitude I, I I just love how it's just like because what are you going to do at the end of the day you know what i mean i'm not going to change that person's mind and then also at the same time it just takes so much of my time and energy yes to go yes and support this person when i could be playing the ukulele on the balcony or i could be That's right. you know, oh. my dog now, now now speaking of which uh i didn't know you're quite the singer the well, vocalist i have a sing i have a sing to myself and i you know i can sing a tune but i wouldn't call yeah. <laughs> like uh like a song model shoot song you know so there's quite a few there so yeah, I, yeah, I, do was... enjoy, I enjoy doing it. and then the rare occasion when i have the confidence to put it out i go oh here you go people with instagram see what you think about this and... have you ever sort of uh dove into the music like like wanted to do some recordings or like pop mm. pop no i mean like it's it's more like a passion it's really beautiful mm. i love being able to put music you know playing the ukulele and, and singing at the same time it's a beautiful thing it's, it feeds my soul um yes. i wouldn't I've had offers and I, I've had offers to go into recording studios and have a little sing and sing on and things. And I'm not ever discounting it, but it's never something that I'd probably pursue um, uh, fully. I tell you what, my, my little sister, who is not so much little, she's 18 months younger than I am, has <laughs> a phenomenal voice. 
wow. a phenomenal voice and it takes everything in my power not to try to force her to be yeah. a singer because she's just, she doesn't, I mean, she maybe the same kind of thought process I have. It's just more of a passion rather than something that she wants to pursue. But she's, uh-huh. she got all of the singing genes. I got a, and, I got a little sprinkle of it, but she got, uh, she got the big, big spoonful. And is she still in Brisbane now? She is. Yeah. Oh, everybody's well, then, Come on, she needs to. You needs to just, even if she doesn't tour, just get some recordings out. This is what I'm saying. Let me tell you, I've I've tried. I've tried to secretly record her. I've tried to force oh. her to <laughs> when she's here. Like it's it's like yes. pulling a it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, right. All right. So let's get close to finishing up. So we're talking uh, before. Uh, so what is the what does the future hold for Hannah Glesby after the pandemic? After the pandemic. You know, yes. as, as, as always in life, the, endless, the possibilities are just endless. And that's yes. kind of the thing that, that both terrifies me, but then also excites me at the same time. I don't want to be a model forever. I yes. would really uh, like to be able to parlay all of the skills that I've learned in this industry yes. um, into something. So like, so, like, like a management or, or like, like a... Like the most logical kind of step is to go into you know, the agent role or, or something yes. into a different part of the industry, like creative direction, um, which, which I'm passionate about because, like I said, I love creating things. I, like, I see a bigger picture vision and I love being able to, to work with people to be able to create that vision. So that's definitely it. But... You know, then there's also this uh, very big side of me that uh, is very traditional. And I, you know, I'm getting close to 30 and get to that point where I would be, I'm like, oh, you know, I've lived a life. I've lived a very strong, independent life at that. Yes. Um, and so in the midst of trying to, you know, find someone to love and settle down with and, you know, mm-hmm. have some babies and, and do all those type <laughs> of things, I think that either someone within, you know, the fashion industry, the creative industry in general, or, or I'm a hell of a salesman, just like my father. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Well, I, I have a similar sort of thing as well, like uh, pa- family saying, Craig, you got to come back, have a family. And and it's like, well, I've been here now for seven months yeah. and I am ready to go on the next flight. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just, no, the way, it's just the way it is. You know what I, I mean? It. It's, I yeah. It. Uh, and I'm sure with you and with some of your friends and family that they don't get it. And I've had that problem for a long time. That why are you going overseas for? Why are you, why are you, why are you doing this for? Why are you not living as why are you not living this traditional life that everybody says? That's right, yeah. Well, this yeah. cookie cutter thing that you well, know, we're all kind of taught. You you yeah. live within these means and these means and this is how you live your life and this is what you do. And that just you know, even from a very young age, I was like, that doesn't really sound too appealing to me. Like nice. it, it, I always knew innately that I would be a traveller, whether it would be you know, as I was being a teacher or or if it was weirdly through this this fantastic you know industry <clears throat> yeah it's it's a constant struggle and like you know, there's a lot of pressures on women uh, as we yes. get older you know biological clock is ticking and it's yes. forced down our throats to be you know you have to be strong you have to be independent you have to be a businesswoman but also at the same time you have to be soft and and nurturing and and be ready to settle down whenever you meet someone so it's weird and it's definitely a, a pull within me too because like i said there's a very traditional side of me and there's yes. that real boss ass bitch side of me too that's going to know <laughs> like i'm gonna be making my millions then i'll be the breadwinner and i'll be doing all these things so i would really like to find a way to combine those two things yes yes um, and i think that's the goal i think that's the overall goal of the next three years is to be able to start a company to to delve my hands and deeper into creative realms to still be an advocate to be a very loud voice to to be informing myself to be doing all these things and then to find, you know, a beautiful husband and pop out some gorgeous children, live my fucking life. <laughs> and you said plans to come back to Australia, like, 
Well, this oh. was my this was my year to come home for Christmas, so I'm I'm pretty bummed that that that's right. not going to be coming to fruition, unfortunately. But I will always end up back in Australia. Right. There, there's not a doubt in my mind that I'll be raising my children there. I will. Um, the morals, the values, the the landscape in general—it's just—it's yeah. unlike anywhere else. And I valued it so highly. I value it so highly being out in the world and having those traditions and having those um, those things installed in me as a, a true blue Australian, a proud Australian at that. Um, Agreed. So it's to have that too. Yeah, I totally agree. You, you travel the world and education, health—you know, when you, you're thinking about a family, education, health. What you're living in, man. Like, what you, yeah, go, that's what you right. go outside to? What, how, where, that's right. The beach. Where you're going to? Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, yeah. that, that quality so, of living, I miss. Yeah, the quality of life to come back here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. All right. And do you want to talk about your uh, social medias? Do you want to promote anything? I mean, like I said, I'm not. I've I've just started down, and it's 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 a very it's a very touching, weird subject, just purely because of the stereotypes surrounding it. But you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I'm sitting here going to myself, I'm not working. <laughs> I've you know running through funds very quickly. You're know, putting out a lot of money, not having anything come in, and yes. there are all of these online platforms being started for creators, for influencers, for models, for actors, for all these people to connect with their fans more. And so I started uh, on a platform called OnlyFans, which in it in its stereotype is has been used predominantly through the porn world or like sex workers and things like that. It's becoming normalized now as more people like me start utilizing the platform. So I decided this thing a, a month ago. It's literally for me to be able to, to, you know, like I said, I'm not, I treat social media like a business, basically. Yes, like, I don't really yes. like having to chat to people and just post, you know, a selfie on there on my work. I'm like, hey, <laughs> how you going? Good morning, sunshine. Um, and so starting this platform, I was like, I really want a way to be able to connect with the people that have been following my career for a long time that, that um, just want to get to know me a little bit more or vice versa or to see some of the behind the scenes things that I'm posting on there rather than on my Instagram. So probably the only thing I could plug is that. Only fans at kind of And I'm trying. I'm, so the other one here that you have is sunkissedmag.com. Oh, yes, sunkissed. I'm so sorry. Yes. I forgot this. So <laughs> I, recently, I recently collaborated with uh, Jay Alvarez and this uh, online magazine called uh, Sunkissed. We, it was with my beautiful best friend, Jocelyn, uh, I was talking about. We, uh, they came to us. My agent actually came to me and he was like, we have this idea and would you, would you like to be able to create some content for this? And I was like, I would yeah. love to. Um, so we shot it all in our home. Um, I wow. creative directed. We meet, both me and Jocelyn creative directed it, and she shot it. And I was a talent. Yeah, it's it's ni- it's nineteen ninety nine. So you know, it's not it's not super cheap, but it's also not crazy of a price. But it's a whole bunch of like uncensored, really fun photos of just me lying around at home, rolling around, having a good time, eating some watermelon, <laughs> eating some honey, just you know, doing crazy things. So that was it was such a uh, easy a experience. So easy, yeah. such a beautiful yeah. experience. Um, and all the people who were involved were so lovely too. So. We're really hoping it, it kicks off and we can do more of these. So the, the more successful it is, the more we can do. So please, people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I, I thought I wrote it down and then I'm like going to your uh, Instagram and I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to think of what it was and it's sunk yet, yeah, sunk your face. So, yeah, yeah there you go. And speaking of which, might be a little bit sensitive for some people, but you said it's all uncensored. So how comfortable, you know, you seem, from what I've seen, you, you're very comfortable with, you know, body, getting it. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been, in, you know, not 30, 30 to 40% of my days on set, I'm naked, just purely because of the yes. outfits, um, yes. standing, standing around while people make a decision about an outfit in my bloody underwear. So 
I, you know, I've worked very hard, uh, not only through that, but just, you know, through loving myself to be comfortable with what I'm doing. I innately am a pretty cheeky human being and I work very hard on my body. So I'm never going to look like this again. So I always think to myself with those, all of those things combining, I have, I have no problem showing off my body. I, you know, there's, there's a line. I, yes. I like doing uh, nude and uncensored things that aren't, that are, that are art basically. It's not, it's not in your face it's not necessary it's not porn and there's nothing nothing wrong with porn nothing wrong with sex workers all the power to them um it's just not what i do it's not what i feel comfortable with um so yeah i when i get when i get the opportunity to do something that is sensual but not overtly in your face sexy i always jump at that that opportunity because it not only allows me to connect to my sensual side i get to create something that's really beautiful and then hopefully I get to make a little bit of money off it too at the same there you time. Go. You know? So that it was when they came to me, they're like, Are you okay? And I was like, I'm I'm totally okay. And like I said, my best friend shooting it, like you couldn't be more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's finish off. I finish off by saying two or three like random, random questions and be like top two or three, and then we'll finish it off that way. Well, Are you ready? Are you ready, Hannah? I'm ready. All right. So Switching topics, uh, who are your top three favorite bands or musical artists? Oh, such a such a hard question to ask because there's so many of them. Can I just give you genres? Sure. Okay, sure. so classical music in the morning, 100,000%. I start my day and end my day with Claire Lune. Brings me in a very good place. I love really emotional songs. I love sad songs. I love things that just make you feel. Um, and I also love a little bit of screamo. Oh, there you so go. Like, you know, it gets you angry. It gets you a little bit of Marilyn Manson. Goes, oh. Bit of energy? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and in terms of actors or actress, uh, who, who are your top three or four favourite actress? Oh, okay. So Robin Williams, mm. very, very high at the top of that list. Um, just such a beautiful soul in general too. Would, would have done anything to be able to spend five minutes in front of that man. Yes. Juliet Lewis is in a couple of my old, really favourite movies, What's Eating Gilbert Grape being one of them. Yes. That she, I just think she's so beautiful. I think she's so, kind of stands the test of time. She's such a badass too. Which bit of like, a role model for yeah, you. Yeah. Bit of, she's yeah. just a fucker, man. She just doesn't yeah. live by any dresses rules and I really like that. And a third, listen, I'm just going to have to say Morgan Freeman. Oh. Because how can you go wrong? That's right. <laughs> I don't think he's done too many bad films, and no, he's, he's and he very, very, very. Again, he just looks like a gorgeous human. Like you just look like you want to give him a hug. Yeah. Sports. Do you have any uh, coming from Brisbane? So are you like a rugby league Broncos? Um, obviously, state of origin, Queensland. Like yeah, you know, got to <laughs> represent. I uh, loved, loved yeah. watching rugby when I was younger. I played netball. Very All right. Yeah. When I was younger, yeah. Me and my of sister course. were being, being nearly six foot tall. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always helped. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, now, now here in America, you know what I really like? Ice hockey. Yeah, right. That's a good time. They just beat the shit out of each other. Oh, they all kind of in, in a part of the game. And, yeah, a lot of energy there. It's a good energy. i tell you what, I'll tell you what, Hannah, the, the one time I went there in L.A., I went to the Staples Center and saw the Kings, L.A. Kings play. Yes. I didn't know the rule where they, if they, they start fighting, the referees can't come in until they both hit the ground, hit yes. the ice. So all the rest of the team is just like circling around, watching, just like you know, just you know, watching the, and they're just belting each other, and it's like this is awesome. It's amazing. It, I've never seen a sport where you can just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. and it, it'd be part of the sport, and the referee yeah. like, oh, I can't touch him yet. 
they got their gloves off and they'll just belt them in the head. And then finally they're just like, oh, and then they slow them down. <laughs> and they fall to the ground and it's like the referees grab them and throw them in the, in the sort of like the sin bin or whatever. Yep. And, and it's like, boo, keep it going. <laughs> One of my favourite things is when they just smash each other up against the wind. And oh, yeah. Down the people behind. <laughs> if we don't get that in Australia. So, no. yeah. To I mean, see they, that's not rugby though. Where they still beat the shit out of each other. Oh, it's still the toughest. I still think it's one of the toughest games to play. The, when the American people come out here, it's like they got no helmets. They got no <laughs> nothing. So, yeah, no, they, they can't. They can't get over it. And then I keep trying to explain to them. I was like, it's actually a lot better for you not to wear all that padding and all those. That's it. You can feel how hard you're being hit and like it just etc. And they go no. I'm like, well, it's all right. You're just playing the pussy version of it. <laughs> Football, we'll get over that. The old hard Australian, you know. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Uh, who is your biggest hero? Hmm, it's a hard, it's a hard question to say because I think there's a couple of people in my life that really just. Okay, well, I'd say my mum. Yeah, she, she okay. goes right top of that list. She, she has uh, had a very hard life, but every single step of the way, she has pr- not only brought joy to herself but brought joy to so many other people and i yes. think that that kindness and compassion that runs through her really runs through me as well um and so as a role model i can look up to her her strength her motivation her her love and kindness for this world like un, untouched absolutely that's a good way to end it i think yes. and anything that uh, you would like to say to the people of australia uh, my main listeners are from australia but i've got some russian and china and japan and new zealand so okay. do you have anything to say to, well, and, first and, and, to my people back in australia i'll be back soon don't you worry i'll be back soon to have a beer and, and chill out and relax <laughs> and hopefully hit the market there again but to all the people that are listening to all the people well, i just hope that you have a wonderful day i know that or a wonderful night i know this year has been a hard one for all of us collectively. But I think one thing that we can all kind of uh, hold on to as a fact is that we as humans really love each other. We as humans really want the best for each other. And and here is one human wishing you all the best. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you. Uh, it's been great, great to talk to you. If I get to LA uh, after the pandemic, I'll definitely hit you up. We'll have a... We'll yeah, have a- yeah. We'll have a VB or, or uh, what is it, a Foster's over there? In, in, oh, in, bloody hell, to drink Foster's. Now, we'll drink something. <laughs> it's actually terrible, isn't it, the Foster's? I've, I've never tasted a Foster's out of pure principle. You don't want to. Pure principle, mate. It's not happening. They just sell it to the Americans. They go, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink like an Australian. You know what I mean? No, that's not so, how you drink like an Australian. No, that's definitely a green not. bag if you're Australian. That's how you drink out of Australia. <laughs> that's, that's right. Good. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much for your time, and uh, all the best. All the best for the future. Right back at you. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye for now.